1: Coach Rojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Monday, we're going to talk some USC football. About a week of USC fall camp is finished, over with. We got, we're going to talk to Coach Harvey Hyde about some of the news and notes going on around Howard Jones Field. Answer all of your questions about the USC football team. If you do have questions for us, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's our email address. Or you can call or text 424 424 254-9141. That's 424-254-9141. Leave us a voicemail or, like I said, you can actually send a text message question if you'd like to do that from your phone. So you're out there on the, the road somewhere going for a jog at the gym and you have a question for the Peristyle Podcast. Boom. You can just text it to us, uh, right away. We are on iTunes, of course, itunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. We're on Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Audio Boom. Uh, A lot of different podcast platforms. You can find us all over the place. Just search for Peristyle Podcast. This is our 10th football season, which is coming up. And it's rapidly approaching, less than four weeks away from kickoff. So we want to talk to our friend, our pal, Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. What is up, Coach? How are you?
0: Oh, man. Another week of college football. It's absolutely fantastic. We got a little taste of football this past Thursday. With the uh, Hall of Fame game, which got us a little bit of a taste of watching football. Now we, hey, by the way, I certainly want to say how some of the USC players are doing so well in the NFL. Justin Davis had a great write-up today for the Los Angeles Rams. Josh Shaw is starting for the Cincinnati Bengals as a safety. Bryce Butler made a great uh, play, a couple of great plays in the in the national televised game the other night. I mean, how can it get any better? I mean, it's good always to see the Trojans doing well after. Their play at USC.
1: Yeah, yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of tr- former Trojans, uh, former Trojan football players. You're never a former Trojan. It's like people like to remind me. Um, doing well in the NFL. So you're going to follow them along. And if Justin Davis can make that squad, I think that'd be great. Dream come true for him. Um, wanted to thank our sponsor for the show before we jump into all the questions Southern California tickets. If you want to get tickets, say you want to go see the Dodgers, who are on his, an historic run. I think they won 43 of 50 games, which has only happened like three times in the modern era. Uh, you can go to sctickets.com. And they'll help you out. Or call 1-800-888-7287. It doesn't have to be the Dodgers. It could be any team in Los Angeles or across the country. Go to sctickets.com. And Curtis and his crew uh, will help you out. They've been helping Coach Harvey Hyde and myself out for many, many, many years. Um, coach, well, it's camp time. About a week into camp i wanted before we jump into the questions anything kind of stood out for you uh from fall camp in this first week or so it's it's a week earlier like normally it would be starting around now or a couple days ago so we kind of got an extra five or so practices that we you know wouldn't have seen i guess by this point so any any kind of early thoughts you have
0: well, some of my early thoughts now, Ryan, I want all of our listeners to know, and you know, I haven't been at any practices, but I'll start today. I'll go to three practices this week. and uh, But I've been following it closely in the media and also on uscfootball.com. By the way, you're doing a tremendous job of, of uh, following the Trojans for everybody, including myself. And what I've been able to see from Clay Helton's uh, post-practice interviews and Dan Weber and everybody else is, things are coming true that we talked about we talked about Stephen carr being a great player we talked about andrew loris and clayton johnson and we talked about uh the offensive line it starts going on you know uh, all these great freshmen and Austin, jackson uh, uh to form a better offensive line than everybody anticipated there is not a weakness in the offensive line at usc there's been a lot of starts there and i see that As this offensive line learns to play together and they're moving the players around a little bit and they continue to get the experience, I think they're going to be just fine. They could even be better than last year's offensive line. In fact, I'm predicting that. If you remember, all along I said I did not think there were some athletic players on the offensive line last year. I don't want to single out who they were, but I would say three of the starters last year on the offensive line were not very athletic. I think this group of uh, offensive linemen are more athletic. I think the freshmen are better than what people anticipated. We've seen them in practice. I think they're better than what people uh, thought they were going to be. I think that uh, Stephen Carr is surprising people. I think the receivers are doing a great job. It's just, who is it going to be? Sam Darnold, we don't need to talk about that. And on the defensive side, I think really some of the younger players, some of the Defensive linemen have a lot to learn as far as going against some of these experienced offensive linemen. Not to say they aren't talented. Not to say they're not going to be good. But it takes time to reach a level of performing at a different intensity, play after play after play. And I think that's going to happen. Uh, But it takes time. How many times have you heard me talk about Levi Jones? I told you that when we did our recruiting show. What a great player he was. That's no surprise. And some of the secondary players that have come in, that's no surprise on how good they were. We knew they were that good. We watched them on video early, and we talked about it. So I think it's just being able to see some of the things we spoke about come true, and there'll be other players that come true. And you heard us talk about my main concern, and others was uh, the kicker as far as the place kicker. Uh, Will he be able to kick the ball in the end zone? Uh, will they be able to kick field goals when they need a big field goal? And I think still that it's a huge question mark in the Trojans.
1: No, I think it is. Uh, we got to see, uh, a couple of kickers kind of battling it out. Um, don't think either of them have as strong of a leg as we had, you know, we saw last year at Matt Boromeister. Um, but we'll see. I think, I think Michael Brown will end up winning the job. And, uh, I don't think he'll have as many touchbacks as Boromeister, but I think he'll have, he will end up having some, but we'll keep watching that. Uh, we got to see, you know, we'll see more and more of the kicker stuff, I think, as camp goes on. They end up doing a lot of special teams work, um, with, uh, John Baxter. So we'll definitely keep on top of all of that. So let's, uh, let's jump into some of the questions, coach. And you talked about the offensive line and Stephen Poway's question has to deal with that. He said, I've heard from Coach Helton's presser last week. That he is quote unquote cross training Toa Lobadon and Nikofala at center and left and right tackle uh, respectively. So Toa Lobadon is, you know, playing both center and left tackle. Nicofala is playing both center and right tackle. Um I know how felt how strongly you felt about this when it was raised in a previous podcast. So I'm interested in your general opinion on this. But here's my real question. Since Lobadon's listed at six three, two ninety, do you think he's too small to be a tackle? And if he's cross-training, shouldn't be cross-training at center and guard. I looked at USC's roster and there are seven scholarship offensive line players listed at 6'5 or taller. Doesn't make sense that one of those guys, like, uh, Helmsley, Voorhees, uh, Austin Jackson, Clayton Johnston, uh, Chris Brown, Jalen McKenzie, uh, Jordan, uh, Austin, uh, Jordan should be vying for the tackle positions to play opposite Chuma Doga. Wow, to and Nico Fala cross train at center and guard positions. Thanks, as always, Stephen Poway. And uh coach, just to to make something clear here, it's uh we you know we did see the most work we saw from Lobodon was at guard before, and I haven't seen him play any guard so far uh during camp. Same thing with Nico Fala, it's mostly been the backup at right tackle. And the weird thing is you know, we both talked about Fala playing center for, you know, all last year. If he ends up not being the center, he's not starting because he's not going to start at right tackle where Chuma Doga is. So it's kind of one of those things. Like if you have Fala and Lobendon in your top five and they're going to be in there, I'm not sure where Fala could play if he's not playing center, but get, get your thoughts on all this, coach.
0: Well, you know, you've heard me say this, uh, time and time again. Why would you change a center that you, uh, have won nine straight football games. I mean, this kid is getting better and better, and if he improves as much as he did last year, you got a darn good center. But again, as they are saying, they're cross-training their players, which they should be doing. You see it in the NFL, you see it everywhere. They want to get their five best players on the field, and they want to back up certain positions in case someone goes down. If someone goes down, let's say in the first game against Watson, Michigan, we don't want that to happen, We don't even think about it. But you got to be able to say, next man up. And you've already prepared for this and people to feel confident about the move. And there's no big panic about, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? But, you know, I think in the long run, as these tackles come along and one of these younger players step up, uh, then uh, they're going to take care of Lobedon at guard. They really are, because that left side tackle, as you all know, that's a blind side of a right handed quarterback. He's got to have the confidence. He's not going to get hit from behind when he's not looking that way. So, again, that's very important. So if one of the younger tackles cannot handle that type of situation, then obviously Lovadon's going to have to play there. And then they're going to have to find someone to play that left guard position. And uh, I think they'll be able to figure that out. I think one of the younger guys will step up, maybe not early, maybe in the first game Lovadon might start at left tackle. And I don't know who the left guard might be right now. I don't want to predict that. But uh, we'll see what happens. So you've got to have that left tackle security there. And, no, he's not too small to play that position. When you're athletic and you can pass block and own the line of scrimmage, and we watched him work out in the spring. He's very athletic. He wasn't dressed, didn't compete, didn't hit. He was doing rehab. He's a great player. Great players can play anywhere. So uh, I think uh, that's what they're doing, and they're hoping that one of the younger tackles as you mentioned mature come along and as i've always said chuma i'd like to see him at the left tackle position that would eliminate a lot and put one of the younger tackles at the right tackle because that's much i'm not saying an easier spot to play but it's not the blind side of the quarterback so maybe the best offensive line would be him over there and a little bit on that guard and one of the younger players over at the right tackle but there's still a lot of time so we'll see what happens and, uh, we'll go from there. But I'm going to tell you now, this offensive line will be better than last year's offensive line. I just think they're more th- athletic, as I said, and, uh, they will get it done. There's got to, you got to have confidence in your offensive line. You just do. And they've got to build this confidence up and you've got to talk positive to them. You got to build dominance. You got to bl- believe in yourself. And they're going to be doing that.
1: Hey coach, I agree with you there. I think it will be a better group, uh, a better overall offensive line than what we saw last year. That's just that, you know, it's my gut feeling just from what I've seen. Now, whatever, seven practices or whatever we are into fall camp, six or seven, you know, it's a, a week or so into the beginning of camp. Um, some of the suggestions, you know, we haven't seen, I've, I told you what we've seen out there. Now, Sunday was a day off and it felt like kind of a natural break because it was after. Uh, uh, you know, more of a scrimmage situation where they ran fifty or sixty plays uh, on Saturday, so we got to see that, and you know, the referees were out there and everything. Uh, Clay Hilton was very excited to go in and check out the film, and to me, you just get the feeling like, okay, that was his natural break. It was almost like a game was on Saturday, and now they can go back and look at the film. Will they make any kind of decisions where, okay, this week, Fala's sticking at center, and we're gonna play Lobandon not only at left tackle but but at one of the guard positions and see how he does there or you know there could be something like that happening i'm just kind of telling you what we've seen in this first week um we could go out there today and and things could change um if they don't change i mean it, then it starts to be like it's another week like that and you're you know halfway through camp or whatever it is you know i, I it seems less likely that then things would kind of get shaken up a little bit more i know there's a lot of people that have different opinions on where these guys should play They can, you know, consistently have been saying they want to find, you know, Neil Calloway, find the best, uh, five guys and go from there. But, you know, like I said, and, and like you've been saying, Nico Fala was the starting center during that nine game winning streak. Just change it. He's still on the roster. It, it doesn't sit right with it. Just seems a little weird. Um, but the problem is where he's cross training, he's not going to play. So unless they felt like, okay, we have better guys than Nico Fala. We want Lobandon at center and, and Fala ends up being kind of a utility guy where he's the backup at right tackle, but maybe he's backing up other positions that he hasn't been practicing at. I'm not exactly sure, but it does just seem a little strange. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to see what happens this week, coach, if they do mix things up, if they keep it exactly the same. And, you know, when you start to see, cause, you know, in the scrimmage, we were seeing Fala and Lobandon almost every play. It wasn't like, this guy got a series, that guy got a series, because it was ones versus ones, twos versus twos, threes versus threes constantly. Um, so during the ones versus ones, they would have Fala and Lobodon kind of trade off one or two plays. And then another guy comes in one or two plays and kind of keep going like that. So I'm not sure how long you can keep doing that, especially with, you know, you got, you want to get some chemistry going with the the quarterback. You're touching the ball in every play. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens there, but I, I'm curious this week coach to see what, what they end up doing. If it develops at all or it stays the same.
0: Well, they've got one good problem, and I call it a problem. It's easy to coach great athletes when you have a problem, when you have guys that can play different positions. It's when you don't have great athletes where you struggle. And they've got great backup, young players. I think these young players are better than what they anticipated. Some of the players that were recruited two or three years ago, you don't even hear their names, and they were great players coming in. You don't even hear them being discussed. That's because the younger players that are coming in are just better athletes. And it's a great problem to have. But, again, you've got to find where they best fit your program. And I think that's what they're going through now. What's the rush for everybody? There isn't any rush. You want to make sure that these players develop, they're getting coached, and they feel comfortable about what they're doing, and, uh, th- and they're getting coached and taped. You don't know how much coaching is done in film work. So much coaching is done in film work. Now that's one reason they're not, they didn't practice yesterday. They want to take the time to really use the tapes to a benefit as far as teaching them step work and blocking the right person and pass contain rules and stunt rules and coverages and uh, all of these different things. So it's a great problem to have depth. It's a great problem to have great players. So I'm not worried at all about that. The offensive line will work out. It'll all work out. So everybody just
1: relax. All right. You heard it from the coach. Just relax. Um, let's go to Tarek with a cue. I still love that we have two Tareks that write into the show. I recently read, uh, up on the interview with coach can excuse, excuse me, coach Clancy Pendergast discussing the defensive rotation. I completely agree with his philosophy of playing the best 11. Based on the opponent and keeping them on the field as much as possible. I also understand that your best 11 may not be your best 11 when they are at 80% because of fatigue. Do you think he needs to substitute more now that we are two and even three deep at certain positions on the defensive side with a minimum drop off in talent?
0: Well, let me put it to you this way. You always hear me say, put the players on the football field. And if you're doing a great job on the defensive side of the ball, why should you get worn down? If you can get on the field and get it done and get off the field, you're not going to get worn down. you got to play great defense, and that's what it's all about. You can't win championships without playing great defense. Now, in the Rose Bowl last year, USC just happened to outscore Penn State, okay? That's the way that came down. So... Yes, they made a key play or two to, as we talk about key plays. But again, you got to play defense to win championships. So the defense has got to come along. The defense has got to be good. The defense has got to have the best players on the field. They do a lot of different things in Clancy Pettigrass' defense. They can't have a mistake. You've got to have your athletes in certain positions. And you'll be all right. But if you're doing your job, you're not going to be on the field all day. Don't worry about getting worn down. And then what you need to do is find not a whole unit of rotation, but rotate one or two at a time. Rotate a guy in here for that guy. So you're not playing all your second clubbers or backup guys at the same time. You know, you can get them experience in practice. You can get them experience like everyone hopes in the first game of the year. Who knows? You don't go in thinking about that. But you got to get ready for Stanford. And if you don't play these guys, they don't get conditioned for Stanford. The only way you condition a football team is play the game of football. You can't do it in sprints. You can't do it in anything else. you got to play it as a football game. So you got to run these guys. you got to keep them going, play after play after play at whatever rate they have to play at to perform. So you got to be able to You know, substitute alignment, substitute a defensive end. And if two players are equal, rotate them or move them from side to side and rotate someone else in there to rest them. But if you're on the field a lot, you're not winning football games, okay? Because that means ball dominance is going on by the offensive team and your offense is not getting the football. And when your offense is not getting the football, (laughs) then you're in deep problems because you don't have that opportunity to put the ball in the end zone and then you start to panic when you get the football because you feel you might not get it back for a while so you know uh you know i I listened to that interview i liked his interview he's very strong in his beliefs and uh i back him up on that
1: all right let's uh move on we have uh glenn wrote in this is an interesting one for you coach he said coach hyde i've been a long time listener and go way back with you i played at rio hondo And Mount Sack for Al Prukop and Mel Eaton. Looking at tape of Brandon Peely, uh, he never looked like a, a project. Are you surprised by him? And what do you think he will play this year? Take care and stay well from Glenn Williams. And, uh, Peely, I think is up to 340 pounds now. He's, he's a lot bigger, uh, than before we saw him as a high school recruit. But any thoughts on Brandon Peely and then, uh, on what Glenn did, you know, from when his playing days?
0: Well, Glenn. First of all, it's great memories we had. We had some great games against Mount Sac. We really did. Now, uh, Royal, Roy, Roy, uh, Rio Honda, the Roadrunners. I remember uh, we used to scrimmage them and play them and play Mount Sac. A great game. Mel Eaton had a great team out there and a great program. But Glenn uh, Peely, when I saw him on film, I mean, there was no doubt in my mind that he's going to be a great player. Now he's a baby and a big body. Okay, you know uh, he's got to learn to shave and you got to take him off the bottle and all this and that, but he's going to grow up, and he's going to be a force. Now, do you expect him to be it right now immediately? No, he is, he's thinking when he's playing. When you're thinking when you're playing, you can't always use your great athletic ability, and when you're a young player, you don't want to make a mistake, because you're going to get yelled at. But until you know exactly what you're doing, and your reads are down, and your calls are down, then you become a great football player. But I never doubted him being a great football player. I And McKenzie, I think he's going to be a great football player. These guys are talented football players. And I said it earlier, it's great to coach talent. It makes you one hell of a coach. So they'll come along and they'll grow up and they've got great talent. And uh there are, there's a couple of players that I want to wait and see before I say how good they're going to be. But there are certain players that have that ability to – uh be great players someday. Now I'm not saying it today or tomorrow, but when you get them off the bottle, they're going to be okay.
1: Yeah. I think with, uh, well, you know, I think Brent, Brandon's played well. Uh, I don't really see him getting into that rotation at least at this point. So my guess is he's going to end up red shirting, but be a, a bigger contributor down the line. Um, we still seen a lot of two down defensive linemen. Um, I thought maybe you'd see more three down defensive linemen. There's some, uh, but not a lot. You're seeing Marlon Tuipolotu is the guy that's been in there uh quite a bit, kind of switching out with uh Josh Fatu uh in that spot, you know, interior defensive line. So yeah, I am not sure he'd end up being that rotation, so my guess is he'll likely uh end up red shirting, but we'll see. You know, there's there's definitely some promise there. We'll try to watch him a little bit closer, uh, kind of as the season rolls on, or as the as camp rolls on at least. Um, but thanks for that one, Glenn. So some bust in the past for Coach Hyde. Let's see, we got uh we'll go with Chris. He says, Ryan, Coach Hyde, during fall camp practice number four, Deontay Burnett got roughed up and uh continued to practice through pain, continued to compete, lead the team. And made big plays. It seems that that type of player SC has these days, or built are built differently. Your thoughts, uh, Chris?
0: Well, you know, uh, you know, you hear me talk about guys jump out on the screen at you. You know, he's got a lot of confidence, and he's a great player, and he's getting better every day. And uh, he's a guy. He's going to be a premier player, and he's showing toughness. And I tell you, people want to see toughness. When you're a receiver, what do I say? You're a receiver, but you're also a blocker, and you play every play, every pass uh, every play in the pass. But when you do have that opportunity to catch a pass and read the route, read the coverages properly, and when the ball comes, you make the play, then you'll able to touch the ball more. And I think every receiver out there now knows what the competition that's going on is if I if the ball is thrown to me, I better catch it. There's no time to drop it, or I better make that play. Every pass isn't going to be a perfect pass, no matter who's throwing it to you. So you've got to always put yourself in a position to catch that football. And when it becomes a running play, you've got to make sure that you go out and block. And when it becomes the uh, stock block and go type of route, you've got to sell it so that you're able to make sure you make the big play. And you see that play all the time. I don't think USC runs it enough, but when you come out and you, you block the guy, you release, play-action, pass, and then go down the sideline. i tell you who does that all the time is the University of Oregon. Stanford used it too. So when you you play 100% at every position, every down, whether it's a run or pass, that makes you a better football player. And what makes you a better football player than the entire 11 makes you a better team, both offensively and defensively on the special teams? There's no opportunity to rest when you're on the field. There isn't an opportunity to rest. And if you're tired, come out. And uh, and sometimes you there's kids that don't uh, aren't as conditioned as you think they should be, or sometimes kids don't have the same endurance that other kids have. But when you're on that field, you got to make that play. And I hear Clay Helton talking about it all the time. You got to make the play. You got to make the catch. It isn't always going to be perfect. And he's saying the same thing I am. And he's out there every day and he's evaluating these receivers as as well as all of the players in the same way I would be evaluating myself.
1: Uh, Coach uh, Tark with a K pretty much went over this, but if you have any uh, further thoughts, he said, are you sold yet on Toa Lobendon as a left tackle?
0: Well, yeah, I, I would be sold at him if, on him if he has to play there, because I had mentioned it. you got to have the backside of your side of your quarterback taken care of. And if any of the guys can't do it, then you got to make sure it gets done or you're going to lose a quarterback because someone's going to give him a, a big hit. And if you have to do that and make that move to protect uh, your quarterback and make it a better football team, make yourself a better football team and a better offensive line, you got to do it. You got to do it, and then you got to find somebody to play that left guard position. Now they got a lot of players to find someone who can play that left guard position. I've I've indicated at times who I think should play there, or who can't play there, or whatever, what it takes to play there. Then I hear Clay Helton talking about the same things I've been talking about. In the past as far as you've got to get in front of the back you've got you can't be following the back you've got to be athletic to get it done so you know all the things we have been discussing now is becoming a reality as far as not only with the team but with coach Helton uh, saying the same things that we've been talking about so it's got to be somebody that takes his spot over there that can get it done and uh, there'll be somebody who will get it done and they'll also Uh, Develop blocking schemes that this young athlete or older athlete, whoever plays that, you take advantage of. You don't ask him to do something that he can't do because all it does is search your team and the play you have called.
1: How about uh, Paul in Vegas? He says, Coach, the two most successful programs in football today are Alabama and the New England Patriots. In your opinion, if our coaching staff could spend time studying one of those programs up close, which would you think would be the most beneficial for us?
0: Well, obviously it would be the college program because you uh, draft players in, in the NFL and you have different ways of getting players through free agency and this and that and and all of the different things that you have. And you don't have uh, four years with eligibility and your players are gone. So uh, I think that uh, programs such as Alabama, Florida State, uh, Ohio State, Players that just lock, reload, and lock and fire, man, those are the programs you want to go to. And uh, we used to do that all the time. I spent a lot of time, my staff, with BYU. When they had the great McMahon and Steve Young uh, years there, we would uh, study with them and exchange staff ideas, and it was great. It, uh, it's a learning session. You know, it isn't something that you just send one coach to. I used to send my whole offensive staff, and we, they would meet with their offensive staff, and it was great. Uh, And you share some ideas. You never give away secrets now, don't get me wrong. And uh, I think both programs are at the same level. Alabama obviously has a start on USC. You've got an experienced coach. You've got a program that will do anything, I mean anything, to win as far as giving him complete control on the discipline of all the players, the recruitment, probably the admissions, the whole package. So that's a little bit different than a lot of other schools in the country, but it certainly shows with the final standings and the tradition that is at Alabama. It means something down there. It means a lot at USC, too, but a lot of universities universities go after it a different way. So uh, USC has their way. Ohio State has their way. Alabama has their way. Auburn has their way. Florida State has their way. And Notre Dame has their way. But, you it's you know, you always want to steal or you always want to talk to the guy that's had dominance over the last few years, and, of course, that's Alabama. But in a lot of cases, you don't have some of the tools or some of the dollars that Alabama is willing to put into their program or pay their assistant coaches and all the different things that are there that are necessary to battle them in certain areas. But at USC, you have the facilities, you have the location, you have the weather, you have the tradition to battle them in a lot of different other ways.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there, Coach. Um One last thing. Mike in Portland had a question. He said, we seem to have everything going to have an outstanding year. Uh How do we keep the team from underachieving with all of the high expectations? This will tell a lot about how good our coaches really are. Mike in Portland.
0: Well, you know, That's that's a difficult question. If they're successful, they achieve. If uh, if they're not successful, they didn't achieve. And that's one thing uh, that's a little bit wrong with all these preseason hypes that they're getting. Heisman Trophy winner number four, number two in the polls, this and that. So everyone is expecting them to be at such a level, as myself now. Don't get me wrong. It's not everybody else. They have all the tools, all the players I feel, all the tradition to have a great season. I would be surprised, I'm going to be honest with you, there's two or three games on there that are going to be battles on the schedule. There's two or three games that are going to be, hey, you bring your lunch, I'll bring my lunch, and we'll fight all day, okay? And this is the type of game you're going to have in the second and third game of the year and some other games. And the final game of the year, which you never can pick that game because it's a, it's a season-ending game, and it's a one-game season, and that's, of course, against UCLA and Notre Dame. Back at Notre Dame, that's not a gimme game either. But uh, there are games that USC should be favored in and there's games that USC has got to win. And what you have to do is win the games you're supposed to win. Win those games. Don't get upset by somebody you shouldn't. When you go to Washington State and you play on a Friday night, hey, no excuses. How can Washington State beat you? I would not think that. Now, some people think that that's the game USC is going to lose. So you're going to play a day earlier. That means you have another day earlier or more to Enjoy the victory and get home and watch college football on Saturday. I don't know how many players that are on the Washington State roster that USC even recruits. So don't give me that. Sure, they got a great quarterback. But let's get after their you-know-what. Let's prove that who we are. So there's games like that you can't allow a team to beat you. And then there's other games, Stanford, Texas, Notre Dame, UCLA, uh, whoever it might be. You've got to be able to ready to be battled. The battle, man, you gotta be sharp, you gotta be ready, you gotta be, uh, consistent, and you know it's gonna be a fight. And, uh, this is what you have to do to get it done. Now, you know, is this coaching staff ready for that? Well, how can you not be? You gotta understand that, and I think they understand that. That's what it's all about as far as in college football. That's why you make three million a year. That's why the assistant coaches make what they make. You've heard everybody say USC's on campus today. Hey, this is what the public expects. This is what USC expects. So you have to deliver, and if you don't deliver and you can't get it done, okay. I know I didn't get it done, but as a head football coach, do it your way. Don't let people tell you how to do it.
1: Coach Harvey Hyde, bringing it, getting ready for fall camp. We're looking forward to seeing you out there, Coach. Uh should, yeah, be thank fu- you. should be a fun week of practice.
0: I'm looking forward to going an hour and a half down in traffic and an hour and a half and back, <laughs> three hours in the car, okay?
1: It's a little rough, yeah. And there's a lot of construction still on campus now, so um, it's a little hard even just walking to the practice field from parking lot, so that's a little strange.
0: Are we still parking in that three- or four-story uh, building?
1: Uh, you could still park in, uh, yeah, it's like a six-story building. That's where I'm used that's to That's right. Yeah, yeah.
0: But That's then it, you buddy, try those stairs, will you? I do. I do the
1: stairs all the time, but then you have to walk. You can't walk straight to the practice field. You have to kind of go around a bunch of buildings because they have the, the new neuroscience center is still being built and they have the whole the whole street all around that is all blocked off. So you can't can't really, really get through there. Yeah, it's not it's not easy.
0: Do they have a helicopter pad there?
1: I'm not sure. I think on one of the buildings they do, but I haven't taken one. Maybe you should take your helicopter in, that'd be better.
0: Well, I do. I'll come down pick you up, okay? <laughs> that sounds great.
1: Come by South come Bay. Okay. Hey. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, that's Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or, or his website, harveyhyde.com. I'm Ryan Abraham, publisher of uscfootball.com. You can follow me at Inside Troy. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source.